When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I gotta tell you about our new sponsor, Ball. Yes, as in Ball Arena, as in where the Nuggets and Avs play. They have reached out to us because they want to hire you, and they are a very, very cool team up there in the Golden Plant just outside of Denver. They have floor manufacturing positions for production technicians and other available roles. Why? Well, they need to make more cans, Justin. In 2020, Ball made over 101 billion cans. Yes, you heard that right. 101 billion cans. Wow. Yeah, it's a a lot of cans, isn't it? And so to help with that, they're adding their line capacity to their 400-person plant here in Golden because the demand for sustainable aluminum beverage cans is greater than ever, and they do more than that. Chances are if you consumed a beverage in a can, it's been from a Ball aluminum can. And if you drink some beer, especially from Breck, it's probably in a ball can. Dude, it's amazing. I, I never used to pay attention to that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Now I always look. And me too. I get a little bit of pride every single <laughs> yeah. time. I'm like, yep, that's it's our in, company. It's in that cursive writing right there. Looking nice <laughs> yeah. and smooth. Yep, exactly. And what's really cool is since they make so many cans, they found a sustainable way to do it because 75% of all their aluminum that has ever been produced is still in use, which is awesome. So if you want to add to this awesome company, go to their website, jobs.ball.com, and search for Golden to find a job with them or text Golden, G-O-L-D-E-N, to 77222, and they'll get you linked up to positions. So go get a job at Ball. All right, Justin, let's hop into the show. Let's do it. Welcome, welcome, welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this weekend edition of the show. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my special guest, Justin Michael. What is up, my friend? I'm feeling big time, man. First time on the Broncos podcast. I I feel like I'm part of the family now. Oh, you've always been part of the family. And man, you got some sweet swag as well. Oh, man, it's even Breck Brew swag. 
Got to shout out the partners at all points. Yeah, you know? that, that, can't, man. that can't get any better. Love the hat as well. And speaking of hats, man, we're getting a little preview of some new hats here at DNVR. They are sweet. But before we hop into, man, a fiery show, a fun show, bouncing back from yesterday's performance of kind of, you know, shooting it how it is. Today, we're going to have some fun stuff. I first got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. And over at MSU Denver Online, they put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. You can do it both over there at MSU and continue to get the same degree online when you live your life. So make sure to check them out because they've got everything going on over there, over at MSU Denver Online. My boy, Justin, so pumped to be joined by with, with you today. And man, like I said, a fiery practice today. You were out at Broncos practice with me and you got to see the Broncos' first fight break out at training camp. Honestly, it, it was good to see, just especially after listening to the podcast throughout the week, and you know, RK especially yesterday, you know, just kind of being like, "Man, this team has no energy; they have yeah. no life." And for a little bit, I was starting to kind of see what he was talking about. The first, oh, I don't know, forty-five minutes or so, I was like, "This is kind of boring; not yep. seeing a lot of energy." And then Garrett Bowles and Bradley Chubb, two of the you know, debatably the, the biggest leaders on the teams get into it in a non-padded practice. So mm -hmm. you can tell, you know, there's a little bit of chippiness there. And honestly, I'm okay with it. Like, you don't want your two superstars, you know, potentially getting injured, especially before the season starts. But this is a team that should be playing with a chip on their shoulders right now. And I kind of like seeing it. Yeah, I did too, especially from those two guys, you know, big names of the team. Now, Vic, after practice, wanted nothing to do with it. I wasn't going to be, I, I was, wouldn't have been surprised if Vic, after practice, says, you know, I don't want to fight. I don't want anyone to get hurt. But I did like seeing the passion. No, none of that. I mean, he, he said, never is it okay to fight. So he, even though he's old school, he doesn't like that. But here's how I kind of saw it. The, the fight start, and it started with the very first play of practice, which was not when the fight broke out. The first play of practice, Bradley Chubb uh, kind of beat Garrett Bowles a little bit. Uh, not, not Bowles, but he got on a stunt and batted a pass down, batted Drew's first pass of the day down at the line of scrimmage, almost actually picked it off just because of like how in position he was. Then two plays later, Bradley Chubb gets the best of Garrett Bowles, go on the outside of him, and I think that's when Garrett Bowles got a little upset at what was going on. And that's, uh, I didn't see anything then, but I think that's where it started. And then a couple of periods later is when the fight broke out. And all I saw was, I saw just right after a play, Garrett Bowles just kind of like uh, uh, on someone and, and laying on someone with just a bunch of guys standing around him. And it happened to be him and Bradley Chubb on the ground. And then, you know, everyone got in and kind of pulled it apart. It didn't turn into like a huge brawl between everyone. But did you see anything else about how it started? Just kind of what you said there, the, the kind of sequence, sequence of events. I, I noticed that Bradley beat him a couple of times. And mm -hmm. it just seemed like he got under his skin. You know, I yeah. don't know if he was talking to him. Which, you know, it happens. It's mm -hmm. football practice. It's natural. I am a little surprised at how heated they got. It was one of those where it looked yeah. like even once they got separated, Bradley threw another little shove in there. Yep. You know, Garrett left the field obviously for a while through his helmet, you know, when he got over to the, the team area. Yep. I don't know though. Like I, I don't want to glorify it, but it got me do, interested. Though. You know, the next <laughs> hour I was much more on my toes because yep. it was just, you know, Oh, what's going to happen after yep. that? How are yep. they going to respond? Yep. 
also a little bit surprised that Vic didn't lean into it a little bit. I understand everything that he's saying, and I know you got to, you know, cooler heads prevail and all that, but, you know, I've heard quite a few coaches, at least college coaches over the years say, you know, I'm okay with my team getting in a fight every now and then as long as it's, you know, not crossing that line and they broke it up quick and... I don't know. I'm just I mean, okay with it. That, that's what Dan Campbell, I mean, who's the ultimate football dudes dude, <laughs> said when his team got in a fight. Yeah. Was he, he liked it. He, he wanted that passion. And Vic, nothing with that. So when they were both on the ground, and I didn't see any punching or anything going on when they were on the ground. They got kind of broken up. And, and when they were brought up, they were broken up just by like, you know, there were three or four teammates in between them with a lot of guys gathered around. And then Bradley kind of went through some teammates mm-hmm. and and shoved Garrett Bowles. And, I mean, a pretty hard push, about as hard of a push as you can get. And then, of course, that set everyone off again. But instead of going after each other like other teammates going after each other, they kind of just stayed. Okay, Bradley, you stay away. Garrett, you stay away. And I thought it was done. And they both went their way, still chirping at each other a ton. But I thought the the, the fight was over until about five minutes later. Bradley Chubb is standing on the right sideline. Garrett Bowles is on the other sideline. Bradley starts walking behind the play, starts walking across the field to Garrett, which is something you don't see after like a couple minutes after a fight. Typically, you know, guys can still be very upset, but typically they've cooled down. And Bradley's still screaming at him. And you have some coaches. You have Lauren Landau, who's just absolutely ripped. But still, (laughs) he's not, you know, 270-pound Bradley Chubb. Gets in between them, separates them, makes Bradley go back. Garrett and Bradley are just still jawing at each other uh, from across the field. Bradley starts reenacting on the sideline what happened. And according to what I saw, I was only about 10 yards away from Chubb. You know, Garrett was starting to, you know, kick him and stuff. Uh, and then they went down on the ground. So who knows? That's how Bradley, I think, saw it. But then Garrett's still just furious on the sideline. He gets sent into the locker room, not by Vic. So he wasn't kicked out of practice, but sent into the locker room by some other coaches that just thought he had to calm down. He goes in there. Then you have assistant offensive line coach Chris Cooper follow him a couple minutes later. Then you have Ray Jackson, who's very close with all the players, go into the locker room. And then you have George Payton go into the locker room mid-practice. I personally have never seen that happen before where a general manager goes into a locker room to talk to a player for a fight that just happened. And then about 10 minutes later, all three of them, George Payton, Ray Jackson, and and Garrett Bowles all come back onto the field together. And Garrett, a little more calmed down. Uh, and that that's kind of when the chirping stopped. And I think Garrett got the message. You need to calm down, buddy. Well, I mean, when the GM comes into the locker room, it's, it's one of those situations where you kind of got to reevaluate it. It reminds right. me of, you know, if there was a, a fight in middle school, for instance. Let's, you mm-hmm. know, it's one thing if your friend group, the guys that were around you when the whole fight broke out, are like, all right, calm down. You're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. It's another thing when the principal comes right. in and he pulls right. you aside and, you know, makes you reflect on your actions. Hey, like, do you think this was the right situation? Did you handle it well? You know, what could you have done differently? And again, you know, I fights are going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's a contact sport. It's not the end of the world. I like the way that the rest of the team responded. Like you said, nobody, yeah. you know, came in, but that's interesting that George Payton went into the locker room. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in that <laughs> locker room and just kind of <laughs> yes. hear what he was saying. Like, is he mad at him? Is he just, you know, playing the father figure type right. role? You know, hey, you know, we like the fight. We like that, but let's watch it a little bit. 
I don't know. There's a lot of different ways he could have gone with that. Yeah, there, there is. I imagine just from knowing George Payton a little bit that he took on more of the father role. I can't imagine he went there and started screaming at him. Maybe that's what Chris Cooper did. But I, I wouldn't have been in any screaming mood around Garrett Bowles just because I had never seen two guys that upset at each other for that long. When I've seen fights in the past, guys are really upset. Uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris Jr. going at it many years ago. They were both really upset, both jawing at each other for a couple of minutes, but I never saw Emmanuel go and try to attack Chris five minutes later or anything like that, like I saw today. But Brett Chubb came out, or, or uh, Bowles came out of the locker room and gave it about five more minutes and then went across the field calmly, no screaming, and, uh, you know, shook Bradley's hand, gave him a little tap on the shoulder, and then all was good from there. But... I did not see the two go up against each other the rest of practice, which was probably very smart on Mike Munchak and Vic Fangio to make sure that that did not happen. Garrett Bowles got out there the rest of practice. He was going up against Malik Reed. Uh, and Bradley Chubb, I think he was kind of done for the day because he's still on a pitch count of how much he's going out there and playing every single day during team period. But today... A fantastic day for Bradley Chubb because in the few reps he gets, he beats Barrett, Garrett Bowles so bad that it causes Garrett to, uh, to from, from what Bradley's perspective, to, to lash out on him. You know, Garrett did say, you know, a couple of years ago, he, he considers the quarterback like his, you know, wife or, or whatever, yeah. you know, and he get, he's going to get a little bit upset if you're yeah. beating him, and it kind of yeah. seems like that's what happened, you know. Mm-hmm. He just, maybe his frustration got the best of him, and, that's okay. You know, I want my tackle to have that type of mentality. Yeah. But I like that he was able to come back out. He was able to finish the practice. All these reps are valuable. Just a weird situation altogether. Encouraging a little bit, right? I mean, this defense, the pass rush, everybody is hoping that Bradley Chubb and Von Miller are going to come back and, you know, really perform at a high level. And the fact that, you know, Bradley Chubb was able to consistently burn Garrett a couple of times, especially coming off that injury, that's encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, no pads, so it's one of those. It's kind of really hard to evaluate the stuff in the trenches, but mm-hmm. weird day, fun day. Good yes. to see some fights. Yes, it, good to see some fights. And you brought up so, some good points there that made me think this was probably the best-case scenario for the Broncos' first fight of training camp. A, no one got hurt. B, it was relatively small. There, there, there weren't punches actually being thrown. You know, We're not having to follow up to see if one of their hands are broken yeah. from punching a helmet or anything. It was a small tussle that was on the ground. Then they got broken up. There was one push involved. The whole team wasn't involved, so there's not much to follow up on and check up on. But there was tempers raised, which is good to see. We needed that, uh, and now it's out of the way. We'll see if anything happens, but it's also probably good that this got out of the way before Minnesota because that's when you really don't want to fight to break out because then that can turn dirty when it's team against team, not just like an, an offense versus defense sort of thing. So I'm happy it's out of the way, and it's good to see that, that there's passion out there. You know, get that fight out of the way now. You know, those, those shared reps against Minnesota, obviously things can get nastier in a scenario like you said. But even beyond that, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out their starting quarterback and you know that's the last thing they need i think in those joint practices is yeah. time wasted reps wasted any of that type of thing so you know like we said we're not trying to sit here and glorify it because you know it, it could go bad and ultimately you know team camaraderie you want the chemistry to be on point you want everybody to come together but five years of losing mm-hmm. even worse than losing i mean the, these last couple of years they haven't even really been putting up any fight right I know that the fans are sick of it. 
It mm-hmm. seems like the players are sick of it too. Yeah. And because of that, you know, like we can live with this, right? Yeah. I mean, nobody got hurt. They yep. broke it up quickly. And 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 I said this yesterday when talking about Jerry Judy and his first drop of training camp being yesterday. And you don't want to see that, but he went seven straight days without a drop. That's very encouraging. Today, Garrett Bowles had his worst day uh, at, at, during this training camp. He has not been beat from from Bradley Chubb or from Von Miller. Now, again, limited reps going up against Bradley Chubb, so he's typically been going up against backups on that side. But for the eighth day that he's going up against Von Miller, Malik Reed, Bradley Chubb, that this is the first day that he's gotten beat consistently a couple times in a row, you, you'll, you'll take that, you know? Oh, totally. And, and now, that doesn't live up to his standards that he set last year when he wasn't getting beat once every eight games. It was even more than, I mean, it was even less than that. But still, it, you like to see that he's still doing really well, and that takes over a week into camp for him to be beat by, you know, all pro pro bowlers. And then you also like to see the Bradley Chubb in his limited reps is starting to maximize those because Cortland Sutton, we were talking about it earlier this week, kind of off to a slow start to camp. And then Wednesday, he shows us that, okay, look, I'm still coming back, but I still have that Pro Bowl form in me. Bradley Chubb, he's still coming back. We didn't expect him to come out of the gate super hot, but you do want to see flashes. And today, we saw those flashes. Absolutely. I mean, we got the flashes from Chubb. And, you know, you mentioned Cortland Sutton. I, I know we're going to dive into some of the other stuff later in the episode, but. He had two really impressive catches today. One of them diving back corner of the end zone. The ball was not put anywhere near where it should have been put. I don't remember if it was Bridgewater or not, but that just made me think of him. But I don't know. Garrett Bowles, like you said, he's been really consistent. And that's kind of the the mindset that the great ones have, right? You know, when they right. have bad performances, it bothers them. Mm-hmm. We want that from Garrett. He, he expects to be that all-pro tackle that we all, you know, came, became used to seeing last season. He didn't live up to that today, and it put him in a bad mood. You know, that's how I, that's how I want my tackle to be. <laughs> yep, yep. You mess with my my quarterback. It's like messing with my wife, as exactly. you said a couple of years ago. All right, Justin. Before we hit a quick break, I want to get to some questions here in the first segment, and I see one coming in from Ron Pablo. He says, "Zach, will media be allowed at the stadium practice tomorrow?" Yes. Tomorrow is going to be kind of the the Broncos scrimmage of training camp, which they typically have once a year. It's going to be in the afternoon, starts at 1 p.m., and this is kind of to get the guys, especially the new guys, used to what it's like to be in the stadium. And then also it's going to be ran like a normal uh, scrimmage. So you're going to get to see Teddy versus Drew a little bit. It's going to be more realistic, where if they pick up a first down, they get to continue and see how they do. So that's going to be a great evaluation of these quarterbacks and that will be tomorrow we're going to I'm going to be there and we're also going to have a post pod practice so make sure you tune into that and Justin it's going to be the first time that we've had Sunday Broncos football this year it feels so good man I was out just this entire week I've been thinking about how excited I am for the season and I mean you know RK texted me a couple days and asked me if I wanted to fill in I was like you know what sure I've got CSU camp all next week might as well get in some Broncos while I can but I mean, last year was the first was the first NFL season since I was six years old that I didn't get to attend at least one game in person. Mm. And, you know, I, I've been very fortunate. You know, I, I understand that. I was very privileged in that regard growing up. But last year, it just didn't feel the same, you know? Mm. Like, I know you guys got to be there, and you guys, in, on a limited basis, not even, you know, all the media got to be there yep. like normal. But we're, we're finally getting back in the groove of things. And there's nothing more normal, at least in my life, than Broncos football on Sundays. 
starting tomorrow, we get a yeah. little taste of that, and then we're right into preseason. It gets, it just doesn't get better than this. Yeah, no, it, it really doesn't. Allie, any more uh, questions in this first segment that we can get to right now? Mm, now, you were at practice today. Did anyone jump out to you? Not necessarily at practice, but what, what, how would you answer this? Warren Jackson? I so desperately wanted to be Warren. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's my guy. I, I can't, I can't in good conscience come up and be like, he really showed out today because he just, he, you know, I didn't see a whole lot from him. Yeah. Made it a couple of plays. You know, the guy who actually surprised me a little bit, Kendall Hinton's making some plays at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's getting open. It, it wouldn't shock me if he, between what he brings from special teams and just that option as like a fourth, fifth type receiver, I could see Kendall Hinton making the roster. Well, I love that you notice him because he's someone who's consistently flashed in training camp after just dominating OTAs and really being the guy that everyone was picking to be their sleeper this year and to make the 53. I like that you notice that in in today's practice because that's what he's been doing every single day as a wide receiver uh, and then also in special teams. He's right there with Trinity Benson in terms of he's he's. They've overtaken Tyree Cleveland and Seth Williams, in my opinion, in terms of making the roster because of what they bring. So I, I absolutely love that. And we'll get we'll get to some more questions in just a second. But first, I got to tell you guys about becoming a member at DNVR because now is the time to become a member. And in fact, tonight is the time to come down to the bar. We're going to have UFC 265 on tonight. So make sure to get down here. And if you're a member, Justin, you get free or you get extra raffle tickets. All you have to do is when you're here, make sure to tell us that you're a member and you will get free or extra raffle tickets. And also have your fantasy drafts here at the bar and I'll tell you what where else would you do it oh there's no and and then here here, here's an even better perk and reason to do it once you're here and you bring a group of 10 friends to have it you'll receive two free pitchers I couldn't believe this when I heard this deal you'll get one Breck Breck beer pitcher of your choice and then also you'll get another pitcher and so here's what you do make sure to email GM at the DNVR bar to set it up and we'll be here from 3 p.m. till till the rest of the night and then you will get that deal hooked up what a cool way to do a fantasy draft here at the bar with free beer I mean between the the deal we're doing with the gift card and you know giving away money there the fantasy deals Mm -hmm. I mean if you're not a DMVR member at this point I I question your sports passion (laughs) I mean like this is the spot Mm -hmm. football season is here fantasy football is here I'm coming off of a tough, tough championship loss. We're absolutely having our draft here. I mean, I, yep. like I said, there's just no better spot for football fans. Yep. No, there, there, there really isn't. So make sure you become a member with us and sign up right now with our training camp promo. Sign up for $59.88 and you'll get a $60 gift card to the DNVR locker. It doesn't get any better than that. I don't know who approved that deal, but it's, it's killer. <laughs> absolutely killer. It is killer. And something else that's killer is the Breck brew that you receive when you're at the bar for your fantasy draft. You get a pitcher of your choice, and I will tell you what, you, you just can't go wrong with, with whatever you get, the mango mosaic, strawberry sky, hot peak. You can't go wrong. And so maybe you bring 20 friends, and you get four free pitchers, and you try out every Breck brew that we have here, except we actually have more than that on tap. <laughs> you can't go wrong with any beer at Breckenridge Brewery, and you certainly can't go wrong with a member Breck beer here at DNVR, which is 22-ounce beer for the price of 16 ounces. 
the deals they're endless man yeah they really are speaking of break i'm just coming off of a week of break drinking in the mountains mm. it was great but it wasn't a member beer you know you know what i'm saying like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's great out of the can i'm sipping creekside perfect oh that's pretty good but it could have been a little just more perfect if it would have been a member beer with all my friends around me for our <laughs> fantasy football draft yep, exactly and uh, speaking of deals i mean we just keep throwing deals your way check out our friends over at manscaped right now to get that summer bod going and continuing to go we've got the manscaped has the best best products that you can need including the lawnmower 4.0 I may have whipped it out this week to do some manscaping myself, and it's the best. No nicks, no cuts. You get the light, which just shows everything that you need to possibly see. It's waterproof, which is so clutch. And also what's clutch is using the code DNVR over at manscaped.com to get 20% off plus free shipping. And they have way more than just the amazing lawnmower 4.0. They've got the crop reserver, which is a ball deodorant, the crop reviver, which is a toner, the performance boxer briefs. They even have body wash and shampoo. So make sure to check them out in anything that you get. Use the code DNVR to get 20% off and free shipping. Well, Justin, there was more than just a fight today. And uh, I love that you were there today to kind of get a fresh perspective on this quarterback battle. And I thought today was interesting from the quarterbacks, but I want to know what your perspective was from Drew and Teddy today. I thought Teddy was the more consistently accurate quarterback, especially when it came to live reps. I think he, you know, I was, I was a little concerned going in, especially after hearing what RK said yesterday and, you know, talking about how, he was consistently behind everyone. I think you made some of those points as well. Yep. I felt like he, for the most part, was fairly on point today, at least, you know, when it came to the live reps. He had the best throw of the day on that post route to Noah Fant. It was like a 70-yard touchdown. Yep. Went about 50 yards on the air, hit him in a rope, hit him perfectly in stride. It seemed like he commanded the line of scrimmage. But then again, you know, he did make the best throw, but there was also just so much, like, dump offs, you know, five yards from the line of scrimmage. It just, it wasn't very exciting. Yep. But I, I do think he commanded the team better. I thought he, he performed a little bit more consistently. Drew Locke to me started slower, you know, in seven on sevens, it really seemed like he was overthinking things, mm -hmm. was taking six, seven seconds at a time to get rid of the ball. That's obviously never ideal. You're going to get sacked in those scenarios. He missed a couple of guys. I thought he recovered well, you know, finished strong down the end. Mm-hmm. But if we're saying, you know, who won the day, I'm probably leaning towards Teddy. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I am as well. I think Teddy won today. And Justin, you, you, you nailed it. Now, I was on note keeping today, so I took down every single play. And you nailed it. Just about Teddy being accurate. He was not good yesterday, just in terms of accuracy. He and Drew were both so far off their receivers. Drew... They both took a step up today. Drew was still a little more inaccurate than Teddy. Still had a couple of balls where one of them was like, where was he even throwing to? And it wasn't a throwaway. It was in the middle of the field. That may have been, outside of an interception, the worst throw of camp. But outside of a couple of those, he was better than he was yesterday. But Teddy in team and seven-on-seven, seven, guess how many times the ball hit the ground? The entire day for Teddy. Twice? Once. Only once. And wow. it was a Noah Fant drop. 
just on, on a little pass yeah. in the right flat. Hit Noah's hands, should have absolutely been caught. So Teddy was money. And at the beginning of camp, we were talking about this type of day from Teddy, where nothing spectacular, especially during team drills, because team drills, he didn't really go deep like he did yesterday. That's it. That 70-yard bomb was during 7-on-7, seven seven, which will give him credit for, but not as much credit if it was during Agreed, team. Yeah. Uh, but this is what he was doing to start camp. I think three of the first four days, he had days where he only had one ball hit the ground, and today he does that again. This is a day that coaches are going to look at and say, we can win with this, especially a defensive coach is going to say, He's not turning the ball over, which neither quarterback did today, which was very important after they both did yesterday. Uh, and he's a guy that's just going to pick up five yards at a time. And, in fact, I think during a seven-on-seven period where Teddy didn't miss a throw, he had, like, six straight completions for five yards each. And uh, it's not sexy. It's not exciting. It's not going to get, you know, on ESPN or red zone at all. But the coaches view that as, Holy cow, we're averaging five yards per play, six in a row. Well, we're in field goal range now. Uh, we, we, we can just keep going with this. That's how we win. So Teddy won the day. He was accurate. Nothing spectacular. Uh, he, in my notes, he had, did have a sack during team period. Mm-hmm. Uh, he held on to the ball too long. Drew, I had him down for three sacks today. Really, the two of those sacks negated pretty substantial plays, but, it, I mean, it wasn't even close. They, they were blowing the whistle before he even threw the ball. Uh, and now both guys did finish strong. And, and I like that you pointed out that Drew Locke started really slow. And then he he did heat up. I wouldn't even say heat up. He did better at the, to, at the know, end of practice. what you would at least expect you know early early it was like man teddy's gonna run away with this day right drew at least did enough to where it's all right you know this was a this was a good day we made some progress here with the offense but you know if i'm the coaches even beyond the the accuracy and and teddy like we said he was on the money today it's just that decisiveness i mean you wrote about drew being you know the gun shy gunslinger right that's what i saw today i just see a guy who's thinking too much and I wonder especially if Teddy you know continues to rack up these practices where he looks more decisive he's hitting his throws he's not turning it over if Drew's just getting in his own head at this point and you know at that point I'm not sure we're going to ever be able to see you know the best of him you know the the highest Drew Lock ceiling is is out there using his arm it's stretching the field right he's got to make smarter decisions than he did last year but it right. just kind of seems like he's somewhere in between now, and, and that's not a good place to be for a quarterback. He's not Drew Locke, and he's not Teddy Bridgewater. He's just somewhere in the middle. Right, and it just is a bummer because when those deep plays are there, not necessarily today, but in the past 10 days, he's thinking about it, and then once he's thought about it, he either realizes it's too late to throw it deep, uh, and he just kind of throws it out of bounds, or he just finds a check down. Yeah. It, and it just seems like that's what's happening more and more. I know someone was getting really upset with me on Twitter last night saying that I was saying Drew is afraid to throw it. He's he's hesitant to make mistakes is what it really seems like. And actually, Vic was asked about that after practice today, and Vic said, I might see that. I might not see that. So which, he saw that. Which to me, yeah, that's what that says. Vic could have easily denied that. But he said, I'm not sure if I see that from Drew about being hesitant to not make mistakes. And I think that's interesting. Unfortunately, that's not the way Drew wins this job. You know, we, we need Drew to go out. And if he's going to win this job, interceptions aren't the worst thing in the world if they're limited. 
If he if he's going out there and getting three touchdowns to one interception, that's fine. You'll live with that. You'll live with 36 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. What you won't live with is 16 touchdowns to 15 interceptions Agreed. like yeah. last year. But let's say he goes out and throws 45 touchdowns to 15 interceptions. Okay, now we're talking. Even if it's 30 touchdowns to 15 interceptions, you would say there's something to work with there. We're not going and moving on in a different direction. We're going to give Drew one more year to see if it can be 30 and 8 or 32 and 12, something like that. But if Drew's going out there and he's going, you know, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, and Teddy's going out there and doing one touchdown, no interceptions, with this ridiculous, like, 95 completion percentage in some practices, it's going to be an easy decision. I think you nailed it right on the head there. I mean, look, I, I don't foresee a scenario in which ter- Teddy Bridgewater starts and throws double-digit interceptions. I just I don't see him doing that. He's not that type of quarterback. I also don't see a situation where he goes out and throws 30 touchdown passes. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like... If if you're just if you're gonna go with a guy who's gonna be safe, you might as well just play Bridgewater because he's better at it. If if Locke's gonna win the win this gig, it's got to be because he can do things that Bridgewater can't. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the decision making it needs to be better, but I I think you're spot on there. You can live with interceptions, especially in the modern game. Fifteen passing interceptions in 2021 isn't like fifteen interceptions in 2000. Everything is you know everything revolves around stretching the field and going deep and taking advantage of these new rules that favor the wide receivers. But because of that, naturally you're going to turn the ball over a little bit. Mahomes every now and then throws one where it's like, all right, you know, probably, probably shouldn't have thrown it, but you understand why he does it because he has the skill set. Right. Locke has, you know, that type of big arm. It's just, I don't know, man. He's, he's got to get out of his own head a little bit. I, I, I'm glad that he's being conscientious of not turning the football over. Mm -hmm. But at some point, you just got to go out and do your thing. And you're 100% right. And maybe uh, a big time for him to do that is against the Vikings in joint practices this Wednesday and Thursday and then in the preseason game. And if he does it then and he comes out and he shows, look, what I've been doing these past two weeks is working on what I'm not good at. And that is recognizing when there's a check down and then taking those check downs. And then he comes out during the practices and games and is showing that, and he's throwing the ball deep when it's there, and he's checking it down when he's there, then we'll be talking about a guy, three-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, at least two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, which will be fantastic to see because, Justin, the best thing for the Broncos is Drew Locke to pan out, is Drew Locke not to just win this quarterback competition, but to show that he's the guy for the future, and you don't need to give up three first-round picks to get Aaron Rodgers for two to three years next year. You don't need to mortgage the future to go from number 12 in the draft to number one in the draft to get your guy. You just have your guy, and we don't have to talk about quarterbacks. So there's no question that that's the best thing for the Broncos, but he has to show that. And a lot of people are saying in my comments, because they don't like seeing this, they don't like seeing the reporting about Drew checking the ball down a lot. They're saying, what if he's just practicing what he's not good at? Well, at what point do you start practicing how you want to play? And I get some some practices going out there and just working on what you're bad at. Yeah. You probably don't do that five practices in a row, right? You eventually, especially in a quarterback competition, you want to show the court, the, the, the coaches 
who you truly are, right? So at what point does this change? And if it doesn't change in a week from now, when we have the first preseason game, which starts literally in three minutes and in, in three minutes in one week from now, then I don't think that's who you are. I think then you've changed yourself to being someone else. And my counter to those people, you know, tweeting at you would be, it'd be one thing if this was all live team reps. We're seeing that indecisiveness come into play in seven-on-sevens as well. That's a good point. There's no pass rush. Right. He's still sitting, like, you know, and I know this is not great for the people listening if you're watching. You know, you can see him where he's kind of clutching a little bit with the football, and it's like, oh, I wanted to, oh, now it's too late. Yeah. And he looks over here, and oh, now it's too late to go there. All of a sudden, it's been six, seven seconds, and the coaches are blown and dead. Yep. Again, like, I'm not saying there's no logic in what these people are commenting, but... I think it's somewhat flawed and not necessarily looking at the whole scope of things. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a fantastic point. And in seven-on-sevens, Drew was more accurate than he was in the team period. Uh, but despite the couple of uh, incompletions he had, the biggest problem that I had was the one sack that he took in seven-on-sevens. Yeah. That's It's a passing drill. In high school, you shouldn't be taking Throw sacks away. for that. Exactly. Show that. Um, so let's. I, I want to talk about the final red zone period. Okay. The but and it was the the way that they wrapped up practice today. And typically, that's the most important period is the one at the end of practice where it's either move the ball or they do a red zone drill. And today, I think from my perspective, they were starting at like the three yard line. It's what it, it like yeah, three or four. They were really yeah. close to the end zone. And Drew got two passes and Teddy got two passes. Drew was up first, and they alternated. The first one from Drew, he tried to j- sling it in somewhere in like the right middle of the end zone, and Alexander Johnson broke it up. I didn't have the best view of it. Did you see, was there an opening there? Uh, did, did Alexander, because from what I saw, it just seemed like Alexander Johnson was kind of all over it. Yeah, I, was, I, I don't know if the timing was off on that one or what, but it was one of those, I was like, as soon as he said, it, I was like, ooh, I, I thought the right. linebacker was going to come away with an easy pick there. Right. I don't know, maybe maybe there was an angle. Like I said, I was kind of far back, so it was it was tough to see that one. But I cringed when I saw that one. You know what? Like I would have loved to have gotten a replay on it so that I right. could have seen. You know, maybe maybe there was a receiver in the back that I just couldn't see. Yep. But it just kind of looked like he was forcing things again. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just criticized him for being indecisive. At least he was decisive in that decision, oh, but right. I think it was decisively the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. and then the next play uh, was something that you kind of want to see from Drew if he's going to be indecisive, and it's what we saw from Teddy. So Teddy, I believe it was off of, of just a quick fake handoff in the gun. He needs to buy time, so he kind of steps up and moves around in the pocket. Mm-hmm. He didn't just sit in the pocket waiting for the pass rush to get him. Had a pump fake, which bought open a little bit of time for Jerry Judy to get open in the back of the end zone, kind of the middle of the end zone. He threw it in there. A dart for him. Not a Drew dart by any means because uh, Teddy doesn't have that type of arm strength, but got it in for the touchdown. Really liked how Teddy manipulated the pocket. I think that's perfect. I mean, that's what you have to be able to do, especially you know, in the modern game, the the best quarterbacks in the league right now, it's not necessarily being the most mobile, although, you know, having Lamar Jackson's skill set is obviously a benefit, but, you know, it's guys like Tom Brady being able to step to the left, step up, make a quick throw. But beyond that, it's you got to step up and then put the football where it needs to be. Bridgewater, no, he doesn't have a lock arm, but that's what he did all day today. He just put the football where it needs to be. And if you do that consistently, 
you're going to win the job. Right, right, exactly. And then the next play, I know RK gives Pat Shermer a lot of uh, criticism all the time, but one thing I will say about this next play when Drew Locke was up was it was it was a great play for Drew. It really helped him calm down, although it was at the end of practice, but it was a great play because it gave him only two options and then a third option to run. What it was was Drew started in shotgun, and then it was a quick rollout to the left. Seth Williams in the slot mm-hmm. immediately just yeah. went into the, the, the flat, and I believe Drew may have had another option somewhere in the middle or the left of the end zone, kind of further back, uh, but Seth Williams wide open, Drew dumps it to him. Seth Williams turns up three yards. Touchdown. What I really like about that is Drew Locke is the more athletic of the two quarterbacks for the Broncos. Drew Locke can turn that upfield and take it into the end zone for three yards if there's a defender on Seth Williams. He can make a very easy pass to him, or he can probably stretch open another read for another one. And what do we know about Drew? Last year, he was really good off play action. He was really good when he was moving. Don't just let him stand in the pocket. We're we still seeing it during this training camp where Drew, it just seems like he wants to move. He's more comfortable moving. That's that's when he is more decisive is when he's moving, and he's still there right now in that progression of him becoming uh, an all-around quarterback. When he still needs that help, give him that help. And Pat Shermer did it on that play, and it resulted in a touchdown. That was Drew's final pass of the practice, and it ended with the touchdown. It ended on a high note. Good coaches scheme to their players' best skills. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for Drew Locke. Based on what I've seen, it seems to me kind of like what you're saying is that he's more comfortable on the move. Maybe he thinks a little bit less, you know, maybe standing in the pocket. It's just too many things going on. Maybe it just allows him to go out and kind of play a little bit more. Whatever it is, I don't know. But he is more successful off play action. He has a big arm. You want to be able to run the ball well. It just seems like this is something they should be trying to set up consistently. One, because Drew's good at it. But two, because it's going to put your offense in the best like position to contend. Right. I, I just want to see more of it. Get him out there. Let him move a little bit. Let him run every now and then. You know, yep. just get it, get him moving and, and get him not thinking. Right. Yep. Exactly. And, and that feels weird to say that for the quarterback because, you know, so many times with guys like quarterbacks, they have to be the smartest guy on the field. They do. But you can overthink. And I just, I, I think Drew's kind of in that spot right now. Yeah. I mean, Drew it naturally is a gunslinger. He called himself that two years ago. He called himself that last year. This just a less than a week ago, he said he's a calculated gunslinger. And I think that's a great way to think about himself. However, calculated kind of makes me think maybe things are, are he, he's trying to process too much yeah. at once right now. And instead it's kind of just overwhelming right now. So I like that Pat Shermer set himself up for for or set drew up for success there so uh, i think we're on the same page of what we saw at broncos practice today and i like that you had a fresh perspective and and still saw the things that i did now it's just another day teddy slight 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 win yesterday didn't really deserve it necessarily uh just because he didn't run away with it today i'm going with uh you know a, a a win for teddy You'll have to check out the quarterback scoreboard to see exactly where it was, but I like that Teddy is now bouncing out uh, and and doing well. Again, very accurate today. Uh, Allie, before we get out of here, any more questions for us? Yeah, so we have here one from Jules saying, 2021 UDFA with biggest realistic chances to get a roster spot. Mm, I mean, we just talked about Warren Jackson. Uh, Anyone else that jumps out to you? 
maybe, and this might be a little bit of a long shot, but, and, and maybe I'm being a little too biased here, but, you know, Adam Prentice at fullback potentially, he's going to have to be able to display a versatility that, you know, is on special teams. He's going to have to be able to make tackles. He's going to have to block, but he's, he's put a couple of linebackers on their butts throughout yes, the week. You know, it wouldn't shock me. He's a guy that he's just one of those people that when you're around him, he has this aura, like coaches just love him. He, he's got biceps for days. He's a massive dude, deceptively good athlete. I'll, I'll throw his name into the conversation. Why not? Yeah, I, I like that. And uh, I'll tell you what, he is built different than Andrew Beck. Andrew Beck, fullback, tight end, hybrid. But Adam Prentice, when he's out there, he's like an old school fullback. I think it was yesterday or the day before he laid someone out. He he's He's that bruiser. I think he'll end up on the practice squad. Uh, which is impressive for an undrafted fullback. Oh, especially. I mean, he's he's not a guy that got a ton of reps at, at Colorado State or um, Arc or South Carolina when it comes to actually running the ball. But I don't. He was like Mike Fo- Mike Bobo's second favorite player on the team. I mean, the only person he liked more was Colin Hill, and that dude was like his son. So <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for Adam Prentice. I think it would be fun to see. And I don't know. I I just I like the thought of having an old school fullback, somebody that can come in and you know, especially in red zone situations. How many times have we seen Denver get stuffed on, you know, third and one, third and two over the last couple of years? Yep. Maybe an Adam Prentice is what they need. Yeah, maybe. I'll give you a couple other names. Cornerback Mac McCain. He's done really well, continues to make plays. He's undrafted out of North Carolina A&T. Now, it's very, very hard to make the roster at the quarter cornerback position. But another practice squad guy, he's done enough to certainly earn that. And then kind of a slowly building fan favorite, Andre Mintz. He's an outside linebacker, mm-hmm. number 91, undrafted from Vanderbilt. He's made some plays. He's certainly earned himself a spot on the practice squad. You just wonder, with Jonathan Cooper kind of progressing and showing that that he can be that fourth outside linebacker for the Broncos, where these spots are for these guys. I think that's the tough thing, whether you know, you're looking at corner or wide receiver, linebacker, a lot of these you know, we like a lot of these guys, but they're in position rooms that are fairly deep, you know, especially defensive back. It's going to be an uphill battle, but sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, you just got to stick around a little bit. And, you know, Shaq Barrett had to be on the practice squad for a year. Right. Then he ended up, you know, going on to be one of the best pass rushers in pro football. Like, <laughs> yep. Sometimes you just got to be patient and buy your time, and hopefully that's the case with a lot of these dudes. Unsurprisingly, we've talked about, what, three or four CSU Rams in this <laughs> in this pod hey, who would have thought we get plenty of buffs coverage with everyone in this freaking company <laughs> bleeding black and gold so there gonna... are almost <laughs> equal amount of rams people in this company than there are buffs the no, buffs are, are just a bit louder <laughs> i was Evan, gonna say you Rudo, she, she can mute your Lindsay, mic <laughs> Zach, you i can go on Rudo did go to CSU technically, Eric went to but he, CSU. Doesn't, he doesn't even claim it, so I can't. I mean, but still, we might be louder. Buffs fans might be a little louder, but there is equal, I'm pretty equal for Rams and Buffs in this company. I just got to say. That's fair. We do, we do a good job. I'll say this. There's not an outlet in the state that will give you as much consistent college coverage as what you'll get here at DNVR between That's our CSU true. 
and CU coverage. So a little flex yeah. for the audience. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Nally, do we have one more? Yes, we have one more question here. Um, Supreme Donkey says, how do you feel about Fangio giving out so many off days, especially after they've been lackadaisical and haven't had energy? Mm, it's a good question. I don't mind it for the vets that are getting it. I mean, today you did have another off day. You had Justin Simmons getting his first vet day. You had Von Miller getting another vet day. Um, and you had Bobby Massey getting a vet day, which to me is a little surprising. kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, do they just want to announce that he's won the starting job? And if not, what's he doing taking a vet day? I don't think I would do that if I was in a competition for my job, but maybe he just feels that comfortable with it. And right now, I would say that's probably the way it's leaning is Bobby Massey's going to be the Broncos starting right tackle. Calvin Anderson absolutely making the roster as the swing tackle. Just a little interesting. I think that maybe the Broncos tipping their hand at what's going to happen at right tackle. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, if, if he wasn't at least the projected starter, and obviously things could change, he could go out and completely lay an egg over the next couple of months and they, they flip where their heads are at, but I think you're right. I think at this point that pretty much seals the deal with him being you know, <laughs> yeah. the starting right tackle. As far as you know, vet days as a whole, I don't have an issue with it. I mean, when you hear from these veterans around the league who talk about it being beneficial for them and them feeling like they're still able to compete at the same level but they're fresher, I'm going to take their word for it. You right. know what I mean? Like who, who better else to trust than these players? And it, it seems to be the direction that the league is kind of heading is just prioritizing rest and trying to limit contact. Again, I don't know. I mean, I understand that football, you know, in like the eighties and nineties, two a days and they walked everywhere uphill and <laughs> it was always a hundred degrees or zero degrees. I get it. Like life was tougher back then. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm okay with it. I, I want to, I want Vaughn on the field. And if giving him a couple of days off in camp is going to help lead to that, I'm absolutely fine with it. Yeah, and these are these are outside of Bobby. I mean, these are all guys that very much know their position and, and their role on the team. So it doesn't bother me. But a good question and good questions all around in this live format. Thank you all so much for joining us on this live side. We're going to hop over to the podcast side. If you want to listen to the rest of this, make sure to just, just look up Broncos. Wherever you find podcasts will be the first one that pops up. And before you get out of here on the live side, please hit us with a thumbs up. Subscribe and turn on alerts so you know when we're going live after one of these practices. Again, we'll be coming to you tomorrow around 4 p.m. hour. So again, that's why you want to subscribe. That's why you want to turn on alerts just so you can get the update from post-scrimmage tomorrow. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. Let's jump into the podcast side of things. All right, thanks so much for rolling with us on the podcast side of things. Before we hop into the comment section, got to tell you about our friends over at Solace Meds. They've got four convenient Colorado locations. One, Justin, up in your neck of the woods in Fort Collins. One in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway, and one just blocks away from us on East Colfax from the bar. And they've got some awesome specials going on in the month of August. They've got Dixie Elixirs, two for $30. They've got Spectra, 20% off. Ripple, 25% off. Silver Shelf Flower, 15 percent off and connoisseur shelf concentrates 15 percent off and here's the big time kicker you can use the code dnvr20 to get 20 percent off plus those other codes i mean what a way to get in on solace med so why might as well check them out and if you go to their wheat ridge location make sure to use that code because not only will you get the 20 percent off plus those other discounts but you'll get a free solace bar or king cone when you mention the code as well and of course you can also use the code online over at solacemeds.com that's s-o-l-a-c-e meds.com smash that code dnvr20
DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but it's America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for the gold, and DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer for just my listeners. Listen to this great offer. Place any pre-event wager of $1 to be eligible to cash $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's 100 to 1 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now. Get in on all of the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate. has plenty of instructions for new bettors and nearly limitless ways to get in on all of the action. My friends, my family, everyone has been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if America wins any medal. That's the code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 in free credits for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-522. 4700. Also, I got to tell you about our friends over at Colorado XOs. And I just, I can't get over how cool it is what they're doing over there. They're taking people just like you and me. If you have a background in athletics or even if you don't, but you want to get into it, they could turn you in to the next rugby star. That's what the Colorado XOs is all about. And so if you're an elite athlete and interested in trying out for the Colorado XOs program, here's what you do. Contact the director of recruitment. His email is ppasque at glendale.co.us. That's P-P-A-S-Q-U-E at glendale.co.us. It is so cool. And also, they've got some really cool things going on in Infinity Park from August 20th to the 22nd. So just in a couple of weeks from now, they got the Rugby Sevens Tournament, which I know we'll be covering. Our guy Colton Strickler is going to be covering that. Great. And also, check out everything we've got going on with our rugby podcast. Find them anywhere at D, where you find podcasts over at DNVR Rugby to stay, think, to stay up to date with all things that are going on. And Justin, let's... Let's stay up to date with our listeners and hop into the comment section. First one, coming in from Love Thunder Down Under. He says, well, beep me. I was wondering, or uh, I, I'm going to start that over. He says, well, beep me. That was a beeping downer. Sounds like <laughs> we are a wee bit clucked. It did make me wonder, though, as someone who only watches from afar, how does the reporting around Broncos camp compare to other camps? how they describe intensity, player, quarterback performances. So I did a quick scan. Imperfect, sure, but enough to feed the curiosity. Nothing special. Every training camp report reads like ours. And given the context of the last pod, that gave me some comfort. I won't post too many examples, but we've got Cam Newton showing out, going 17 of 28 in teams with a 50-yard bomb to Aguilar. Mahomes throwing two interceptions. Matt Stafford connecting on a 50-yard bomb, then pick the next play. Players struggling. Players bouncing back. Some people complaining about intensity. Others complaining about fights and a lack of control. Look forward to the Vikings practices. It'll give us a clearer view of compared to what, which it seems will do everyone some good. Hopefully some good, I should add. He says, unfortunately, I'm with RK, though. I'm in very much prove-it mode, big time. I feel like 0-3 is more likely than 3-0, and and it's it's because nothing has shown us different. How scary is that thought? Beep, yeah. Let's go start this. Beep, woos ensue. Oh, boy, yes. What do you think of that, Justin? 
I like I like his initial question, which is, you know, how does the the coverage of training camp kind of compare to around the league? And I think that would that would be an interesting thing to really dive into and kind of compare. You know, if you're, for instance, if you're covering Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, I don't think the media there is obsessing over every interception, yep. over every incompletion, the yep. same way the Broncos media is. But I also think every situation is different, and the Broncos have been trying to find a quarterback since Peyton Manning. So it makes sense that quarterback has been the point of emphasis of everybody's coverage. It's been the focal point because ultimately that is going to be the biggest factor that determines whether this team is successful or not. So again, like the, the, the people that are critical of the media and, and annoyed by the fact that they bring it all up and they're saying, you know, it lacks context. It's not fair to nitpick everything. I do think there is some logic there, but I, you know, what would we be talking about if we wouldn't be talking about the quarterback position? We, the fight today but on most days, not a whole lot. Right, exactly. Then, then we'd be diving into the back of the roster, guys, which is it can be important, but there's no question what the most important storyline is. And, and also, just because you brought up some stats that New England reporters showed for, for Cam Newton going 17 of 28 with a 50-yard bomb to Aguilar, we aren't allowed to report stats with the Broncos and, That's so and, silly. and what happens. Yes, it is. So there's ways we work around it by saying Teddy only had one incompletion, one ball hit the ground. Uh, but the Broncos don't like stats because they don't think it shows the entire picture. So that's why every day you're not seeing a stat report come out. But from New England, they don't care about that. That's about the only thing that New England uh, doesn't care about. So we'll, we'll let the Patriots reporters get that because that's about all they get. <laughs> I will say... I. I guess I, I do understand the logic when you explain it that way. And, and colleges tend to operate the same way. Scrimmages are closed, at least, you know, pro scrimmages, you typically get to watch them. But then they don't release stats. So it's like, how do you close the scrimmage and then not release stats? You got to do one or the other. So at least, you know, people can talk about it. But that's a whole other side tangent that I can go off on. To me, yes, yeah, stats can be deceiving. But Justin, we get the stats of games when they happen. And some people. Put them in the right context. Some people don't. This is just a way for the Broncos to say we're not even going to let people take these stats uh, out of context. But it, it is something that sometimes stats tell the truth. Sometimes there's a little bit deceiving. I do wonder if things would be different if Denver very clearly had a franchise quarterback established. Yeah, is not publishing stats because they don't want to buy. You know help one narrative, you know, strengthen one way or the other in terms of team Teddy or team drew, or is it, you know, just as simple as they don't want to mess with it. It's always possible, but my, my conspiracy theory senses are tingling. And I just wonder, you know, if, if Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos, do you think they would care as much about the stats being put out? I kind of doubt it. No, they certainly wouldn't. Next one coming in from Windy City Bronco. After the Friday show, I'm ready to call it on Locke. The point you were making, letting reps between the two, seals it. Locke had his chance, and so far he hasn't been able to beat out the 17th best quarterback in the NFL. I think that's all we need to know. We need to stop wasting time on a quarterback competition at this point. Choose a starter and give them the ball. They need all the reps they can get, and if this team is going to have a chance this season, that's what they need. And Windy City Bronco, that's just not going to happen. They're not going to decide it by tomorrow. They're not going to decide it after Monday's practice. So realistically... I don't think it's going to happen until at least after the second preseason game. But what I'm hoping for is that whether it's Teddy, whether it's Drew, in about a week from now, 
there's enough separation where they call this. After one preseason game, that'll give a full second preseason game to go to the starter. And then if Vic wants more time for that starter, then he can play in the third preseason game. I don't think that's going to happen, Justin. I think they take it at least through two preseason games. But boy, you may have enough of an evaluation. Two practices against the Vikings, a scrimmage tomorrow against your own team, and then a game against the Vikings. That could be enough where if this continues to trend Teddy, Teddy, but instead of just, you know, a, a close win for Teddy, they become bigger and bigger wins for Teddy, and he stacks three or four of those together. Then we that's the point where we're calling this in about eight days. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. You know, at the at the very minimum, you have to give both guys an opportunity to get reps against competition in a different uniform. Yes, you know, all of this training camp, all the practices, this stuff matters. But what matters more is how you perform against other teams. So, you know, we have to at least see Drew and and how he performs against the Vikings. Where I think it's gonna get really interesting is you know, what if there's a scenario where Teddy continues to dominate practice, but Drew Locke looks a lot better in the preseason games. And then at that point, it's, you know, how much do they value practice versus the reps that we're seeing in the preseason? How much longer does it prolong it? Is If that happens, I could see a situation where we go, you know, well into the third week of preseason before they have a guy determined. It's, yep. but, you know, Picking a guy this early, it's just not going to happen. No, it unfortunately, it's not. Next one coming in from the count, and boy, I wish Mace was here to read this one. He <laughs> says, as unnerved as Rage Ryan can make we, the hopeful, feel, his rancor serves to remind us of the reality of this past exasperating era. We are frazzled as fans sometimes, and that's fine. Our passions are still potent, unlike the creativity and electricity of the current coaching staff. Remember, dear friends, this too is part of the saga, and one day our beloved white horse will thunder through the halls of the trophy room, rattling the silver and the cabinets in the ancient and beautiful set of symphonic notes proclaiming victory yet again, as if this has all been foretold a fat million years ago. Love the count. That was amazing. Yes, that was beautifully written. Can count can count Locula write my obituary someday? Because <laughs> Seriously. This, this guy is a wordsmith. He is a poet. I was gonna say, can he write articles for us? But I think I'd rather have it be my obituary. I think you Well, we don't that. want him to take your job. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Maybe he can write about Montana football. There we go. Take Henry's job. That, that's that's it's where we're lacking right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, beautifully written, Count, and you're 100% right. Someday, hopefully sooner than later, this will be in the past. You know, it's it's amazing how fast these things can turn. You know, it, it feels like forever when you're in this losing situation, when you're, you know, you're kind of just feel like you're stuck in, in mediocrity. And the last five years, they've been as rough as, you know, any stretch of, of Broncos fandom in my lifetime, but it is important to remember things can change pretty quickly. I mean, Peyton Manning came into town and all of a sudden, you know, four straight division championships. Granted, I understand they brought in and other talent and Peyton is an anomaly and all this type of stuff. I just mean the sun will come out tomorrow. It's not <laughs> going to be gray forever. Yeah. And ultimately it's still good to be a Broncos fan. It's still fun to be a Broncos fan. And it's still good to see that this is still one of the most passionate and engaged fan bases in the entire league because, you know, we've we've seen what happens in, in lots of sports. Proud franchises can kind of fall off and, and disappear into oblivion. You know, just as easy as you can improve things, you can kind of fall into irrelevancy. But I, I prefer to be an optimist. So I'm, 
I think things are, are going to turn around here hopefully sooner than later. But it's always good to be a Broncos fan at the end of the day. I love that. Melbourne Broncos says, Hi, guys. It's currently 1220 a.m. Saturday night. Many Kraken rums sipped while watching Rugby League. And Aussie rules reflecting on the Aussies' great performances in Japan, listening to Cat Stevens' music and thinking, wishing, praying, maybe, hopefully, this week a quarterback steps up, assumes control, and Vic comes out and says, Yes, he's the guy. Let's get it done. Cheers. Justin, it's kind of what we just talked about. I think that's that's what everyone wants. In fact, Vic wants that. From everything he's told us, that's what he wants. He wants a guy to grab this job and run away with it. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that could have happened in the first nine practices up till now. Probably wasn't realistic where they would be calling the job after tomorrow's scrimmage. They were probably always going to take this through at least the Minnesota week. So this is a time for one of the quarterbacks to run away with it. You know, I think everybody wants to know who the guy is. I think everybody's going to be relieved from the player's side, from the coach's side, fan side, the media side. Everybody wants to know just who that guy is so then you can focus on it, lock in. All right, here we go. At least we know who the quarterback is going to be. I will say, though, you know, going back to kind of what we just talked about a, a few minutes back, it was always going to at least go through the Vikings. I mean... They have too much draft capital invested in Drew Locke to just give up on him at this point, especially for a free agent signing like Teddy Bridgewater. No disrespect intended, but he's not Peyton Manning. You know, you're not just going to give him the job coming in. So, you know, we just got to ride it out for another week or two. Then we'll know who it is and let's lock in. Yeah, I see what you No did. pun intended. Lock in. <laughs> pun intended. I like it. Free Philip Lindsay says, months ago, I thought a quarterback competition was good. When Vic said they might not have a starter picked until preseason games, I got worried. But I thought each quarterback was still going to get hundreds of passes in each week. But you guys are saying that each quarterback gets 13 passes each day, splitting them? How short are practices? Anyone can get a dozen of their friends together, talk about plays for an hour, warm up for an hour, and then manage to get 60 to 70, probably 80 plays run in a couple hours, and that's not talking professional athletes. Can you guys explain what else is happening at these practices that takes more time? What am I missing? If snaps are this limited, one guy needs to be named the starter ASAP. Because I you know, took notes of every practice, I can tell you Teddy got... Five pass attempts in the team period. Five. We should clarify, and I think this is where some of the confusion is coming from, at least on on this commenter's part. We're only talking like live rep situation. They throw more footballs than five in a day. (laughs) Yes. We're talking about like offense versus defense, best versus best type situation. It's not, you know. Exactly. Yes, they are throwing hundreds of passes a day, but I was shocked to see the Teddy, and I should say he got sacked on one of those. So he had six dropbacks in team periods today, which is crazy low. Drew, I believe, had 16 dropbacks in team. Drew had eight passes, nine dropbacks in seven-on-seven, and Teddy had 12 in seven-on-seven. So, yeah, you're talking about handful uh, of reps with the teams uh, and that would double obviously if you're not in a quarterback competition but what else happens in the rest of practice well they warm up they do a couple of special teams periods which takes up a decent amount of time Uh, I guess Mike Shanahan in the Mike Shanahan era he would do special teams before practice so that the special teams guys practice was longer but you didn't have to stop practice for special teams. I like that. Some old school guys and and you as well saying they like that. I totally understand that. I think free Philip Lindsay would like that as well. Um, 
what what else do they do? Well, now they're taking water breaks. They have a couple of water breaks uh, in, in there. Uh, and then they're doing some one-on-one, some individual drills, uh, and then also some just wide receivers doing drills on their own, working with each other, working with the position coaches. So there, there's a lot that goes on. I agree with you, Philip Lindsay. I wish it was more football and more team periods. Practice, they're not cutting practices short, though. Practices are still two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 30 minutes. Uh, Vic doesn't want to wear these guys out, and it's a little different than a couple of years ago when they were going the 245, which was allowed, and uh, looked like the team was maybe a little run down at the beginning of the season. So he's trying something different. It's just a different mindset that we have in football nowadays. You know, it's you know kind of like what we talked about. Some, some old-school guys, they're going to say this is soft, and, you know, we used to do two-a-days and practice three hours both times and all that, and it's like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. the science... You know, the science kind of shows that it's better to prioritize rest. I don't have an issue with it. I will say football practice is not as glamorous as I think, you know, it maybe is in a lot of fans' minds. You know, it's not like an NFL game scenario every single day where it's just the offense and defense, like, going at it, playing true football. The human body could not take that. It's about, like, concepts and refining things and, you know, it's working on the little details, footwork, you know, catching balls on the sideline, that type of stuff. It's kind of where you just improve little by little. It's it's not necessarily a, a gauntlet out there where it's, you know, survival of the fittest or something. Right, exactly. Next one from Lionel Hutt's attorney at law. I saw RK's quote tweet from Zach about the Garrett Bowles versus Chubb fight. RK said that you love to see it. It seems like the majority of other fans and analysts disagree with RK's take. Playing devil's advocate, I would like to hear RK's reason on why a fight between two of the team's best players is something to love. Was this passion prevalent in the whole practice or just a one-off event that's more negative than positive? Well, I think uh, I think what we touched on and seeing the passion in the in the first segment is what RK liked about it and seeing that there's some life in this team and uh, they didn't hurt each other and you know the I didn't like I said I didn't see any punches actually thrown I saw some pushing and what players will typically say and when we talk to Garrett Bowles and Bradley Chubb later this week I'm sure what they'll say is you know brotherly love it's all love yep <laughs> exactly that's what they're going to say even though it didn't look like it they're going to say brothers fight and that's and that's what we are um so I and Justin you you agree with Ryan as well that we'd like to see the passion like like fighting is always going to be kind of a weird subject in a sport like football because it's it's not hockey where it's actually a part of the game. And because of that, you know, people's opinions are, are going to kind of be all over the place. I think back to a couple of years ago with Aqib Tlaib and, you know, kind of like what happened with, with him and Michael Crabtree. You know, some people look at that and they're like, this isn't even football. Like your mindset's not in the game. Other people are going to look at it and be like, I love his passion. I love that he's standing up for his teammate. I love that, you know, all that. It just kind of depends on, you know, what school, what mindset you operate with. Honestly, I'm just tired of seeing a team that doesn't look like they want to play football. That's what it's felt like with the Denver Broncos these last couple of years. It seems like, you know, they could they wanted to be anywhere but where they were. Obviously, that's not necessarily a fair criticism from me from the stands, but that's what it looks like. At least with this, you know, you can see the passions there, the fires there. They're sick of losing. They want to get better. I can live with it. Like you said, no punches were thrown. Didn't get real ugly. It's just two guys you know, competing hard and, you know, maybe getting a little worked up, but that happens. Yep, exactly. And last one coming in from Defwoo. He says, yesterday's pod is giving me some serious cognitive dissonance. Seven and 10? 
What happened to Teddy's floor being better than any quarterback we've had since Peyton? Judy looks like an all-pro. Sutton is back. Vaughn is back. Tim P looks better than ever. PS2 is the truth. Bowles, Bowles is arguably a top three left tackle. Fant and Alberto should be a force. The running back room is talented and deep. There's offensive continuity between seasons for the first time in five years. They're playing a week schedule. They should have a top three defense. Seven and ten. Where does it all go wrong? I I need to hear your or I heed your warning, RK. But I'm having a difficult time accepting it. Should we really be preparing for quarterback play so bad that it nullifies all almost all of the talent around it? Here's to hoping these are just growing pains. Justin, one thing I say is if the Broncos have average quarterback play. They're a playoff team. I've believed that since Peyton Manning left, and uh, they haven't had average quarterback play. Trevor Simeon was the closest they've had to average quarterback play, and it's the best record they've had. They went 9-7 and seven that year. Every other year, they have not had average quarterback play, uh, especially last year. It was not average quarterback play, and that's where it hurt the team the most. So we've seen this. We've da- been down this road where we're saying, Broncos, They have really good talent. They have Emmanuel Sanders, Demarius Thomas, a good running back room, maybe a solid offensive line, and a defense that just won Super Bowl 50. And it doesn't matter if they don't have the quarterback play. And we didn't see average quarterback play last year, and we saw it was 5-11. If it is similar quarterback play, now I do think that Teddy's floor is higher than what we saw in Denver last year. I do think it's going to be better. That's why I don't think they're going to be a 5-11 and 11 team. I guess a 5-12 and 12 team this year. That's why I think, you know, it's going to be better. But until I see that quarterback play show me that they're going to be average or maybe even a little above average, I can't say that the rest of this team is going to elevate and carry a quarterback because that's just how the NFL, that's not how the NFL works. You can't win consistently without a quarterback. You can get lucky. You can get hot. You can go on streaks, but you can't win consistently if you don't have, you know, like Zach said, at least an average quarterback. Being honest, I mean, an average quarterback is still probably the fourth best quarterback in this division. Yep. Just looking at the facts. I mean, Herbert, I expect big things with him with the Chargers. We don't even have to go into Mahomes. That dude's not human. I think Derek Carr is underrated. You know, I, I like how the talent on this team shapes up with the rest of the division, with the AFC as a whole, when you look at the wide receiver room. Yeah, you know, Sutton and Judy, that's an awesome one-two combo, and you go deeper than that when you start getting into Tim Patrick and Hamler and some of these other dudes. Noah Fant, up-and-coming tight end. You like the state of your offensive line. I wouldn't say you love it, but you like it. It comes down to the quarterback. Yep, it absolutely does. You know, this week it... It wasn't great from the quarterback, so that's where a lot of the concern comes in because, oh, man, here we go again. Doesn't matter if Jerry Judy's open all day if they can't get him the football. Doesn't matter if no fans running open down the sideline or, you know, up the seam if they can't get him the football. So if the quarterback play isn't elevated, it's tough to see this team doing a whole lot. But, you know, I, I, I would say it looked a little better today. So if we're, you know, operating under, you know, it was a bad couple of days, I'd say – you know, today we're we're feeling a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think it at least reaffirms the opinion that if they can just get average quarterback play, there is enough talent elsewhere to see this team take a step up. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. You nailed it on the head. And man, Justin, thank you so much for joining me on today's pod to break down. 
the first fight of camp. And before we get out of here, got to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. They're part of our family. Make them part of your family as well. They're here at the bar, and we go visit them over at Green Mountain Dental as well, where they will treat you like family. And not only that, not only will you get fantastic service, but they'll give you a gift if you do that. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush for them. That's all you have to do. Go get your teeth cleaned, get x-rays taken, and you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush. You're going to do it. You're going to get your teeth cleaned anyways. Might as well go somewhere that supports us, that you can talk Colorado sports to, and that will give you a free Sonicare toothbrush. Check them out. Our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. Well, Justin, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us today on this special weekend edition. Justin, thank you so much for going out to camp and rolling with me today. I really appreciate it. And we will be back tomorrow with a special live edition of The Scrimmage. So make sure to tune in around 4 Denver time in the afternoon. Thank you guys so much. Have a terrific Saturday. Roll out the truck and took a country drive. Now understand that you need some time. I know some landmarks we used to hit. We're flying cotton.